0: This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact?
1: The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you.
0: You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 143, Healing Emotionally After Birth Trauma. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30 minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Shortly after the birth of my daughter, Sally, my husband and I were with some friends when they asked Ryan if witnessing the birth of his daughter was the most amazing experience of his life. I was holding baby Sally in my arms, and I remember feeling a little swell of pride at the question, knowing that he would say yes, because that's what all husbands say, right? That witnessing the birth of their child is the most amazing experience of their lives. I was surprised when (laughs) their question was met by silence for several seconds. I looked up at Ryan and examined his face, and I could see that he wasn't sure what to say. Um, yeah, he said a little hesitantly. It was good. The conversation quickly moved on, but I have to admit, I was a little hurt. I had worked hard to bring that baby into the world, going through IVF and an incredibly difficult pregnancy. I had some scary complications at the end, and Sally had to be induced early. And on top of that, she was posterior, so it was a painful delivery, and she was born very bruised and battered. After all of that, he didn't think witnessing the birth of our miracle baby was magical? It might sound ridiculous, but since I've been a teenager, I have thought about the verse in the old country song, Real Life, where the singer sings about watching his baby be laid across his wife's chest and how he never was the same again. Does anyone know the song that I'm talking about? Anyway, later that evening when Ryan and I were talking, I asked him if I'd read his body language correctly in that conversation with our friends. Was witnessing Sally's birth not magical for him? He admitted that, no, it wasn't. And at first I was offended, but then he went on to say, Rachel, you were in so much pain and I hated that there was nothing I could do about it. I felt so helpless. I was scared for the baby and confused about what was going on, especially when she didn't make any noise for over a minute after she was born and the nurses took her away to work on her without telling us what was going on. It was actually really scary and hard. When he explained it that way... My hurt melted away, and I totally understood. Pregnancy and childbirth hadn't been everything that I thought they would be either. In fact, they were some of the most vulnerable, disorienting experiences of my life. Why don't they talk about that in the country songs? Today we have a guest on the show who's passionate about talking about the tough and unexpected stuff in motherhood. Mia Hemstad is a mental health advocate, a political activist, and a mother of two little ones who are four and two years old. She works full-time as a communications manager at the California Work and Family Coalition, where she advocates for more equitable, paid family leave policies for workers and their families. She's also the founder of No Longer Last, a community of women who are on a journey to do one small thing every day to nourish themselves. As part of her mission to encourage women to care for themselves, Mia decided to share her traumatic birth experience that she had in 2016 in an article that she wrote that was picked up by parents.com, Yahoo, KidSpot, Cafe Mom, and several other media outlets. And this article has helped thousands of women all over the world to move forward after their traumatic birth experiences and learn how to advocate for themselves and their wellness in the future. I'm so grateful for her bravery in talking about this very important and not discussed often enough topic. And I know you're going to love this conversation that I had with her. Before we jump in, a quick reminder to leave a review for the podcast, if you haven't already. Thank you to all of you who already did this past week. I actually had a really discouraging week, and your words of encouragement reminded me that 3 and 30 is making a meaningful difference in your lives, and that honestly keeps me going. Reviews also help listeners find the show and help potential sponsors know that this is a podcast that's worth investing in. Each week in August, I'm going to randomly choose a review to receive a care package from me of a few of my favorite things. And this week's package is going to Mom of Three Living Abroad, whose review is titled, My Favorite Parenting Podcast. And this is what she wrote. If I only have time to listen to one podcast in a day, I pick this one every time. Every time. I will hear something on another podcast and think, wow, that's great but not do anything about it. However, with this podcast, I hear a takeaway and I literally write it down or go back and look it up later and it's easy to find. It's that precise and manageable. Rachel's guests are positive, educated, diverse, and helpful. I applaud her ability to pick great podcast guests. 3 in 30 was recommended to me by a friend and now I recommend it to my friends and family. This is my truthful opinion and only second time I felt compelled to write a podcast review. So I truly, truly encourage you to check it out mom of three living abroad. Thank you so much for the super kind review. I love that you're taking action on the takeaways you're hearing in the show. And I also wanted to tell you, in case you didn't already know, that I send out an email recap of all of the takeaways from each month's episodes to my email list. So if you get on that list, you won't even have to take notes or search for takeaways after you listen. You'll know they're coming directly to your inbox once a month. Anyone who's listening who's interested in that can go to 3and30podcast.com forward slash takeaways to sign up. And mom of three living abroad, please send an email to hello at 3and30podcast and we will get your package in the mail. Even if you are currently living abroad, which I suspect you may be, we will get that sent to you. To everyone else who's listening, if you'd like to win a care package or just show your support for the show, please leave a review this month. Thank you so much in advance. It really means the world to me. And now, onto the show. Here's my conversation about emotionally healing after birth trauma with Mia Hemstad. Mia, welcome to 3 and 30.
1: Rachel, I'm so happy to be here. It has been one of my dreams to be on this show. And I mean that I wrote it on an orange post-it note over a year ago that I would Aww. apply to be on 3 and 30 when it, uh, applications open back up. So, thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I am just thrilled to have you. I love your work and I'm just so grateful that you are going to talk to us about birth trauma because as women, we hear so many stories about birth being beautiful and the pinnacle experience of our lives. And when our experience differs from that, I feel like it can cause shame and grief and anger. And it's just so important that we start to talk more honestly about birth and how to heal and move forward when things don't go as planned. And so I just wanted to start by asking, what made you decide to start talking about this and sharing your experience?
1: I think just like what you said, I was tired of going to all these mom groups and either hearing everybody else's perfect stories and feeling like I was the only one. Or even worse, sharing what happened to me and people always asking questions that kind of put the responsibility and the blame back on my heart and back on Mm -hmm. my breath. You know, well, maybe Mm -hmm. if you did this, or maybe didn't you ask the doctor that, or why would you have chosen this? And it just, you know, keeps us in this shame spiral and keeps us stuck and it keeps us hurting in motherhood, especially in early motherhood, which is already a very vulnerable period of time. So, you know, I try to live by this mantra of be what you want to see in the world, and I wanted more acceptance, less shame, more openness around this topic, so I decided to share my birth story, and the article that I shared it in ended up going semi-viral and women from all over the world, women who were actually in their 50s who were like, I'll never forget my birth when I was 21, women who... Yeah, who just been scarred. And they were like, I've never been able to talk about it. I've never been able to heal and move on. And it made it very clear to me that this was something that was very needed. So I have not stopped talking about it since.
0: Oh, well, I know it's been so powerful for the women who've read it, it was powerful for me when I read it. And I will link the article in the show notes if people want to hear the full story. You are going to give us little snippets of your story throughout, Mm -hmm. but I'll link that. If people want to hear the full story, they can go and read about it. But let's go ahead and jump into your takeaways. And they really are meant to help women who've gone through this birth trauma to have the courage to do it again, You know, to move Mm -hmm. forward, because it is terrifying when you've had a difficult experience with pregnancy or birth to then try it again and go for it again. And you had... Uh, really hard experience the first time and a, and a much better experience the second time with your daughter, right?
1: Yes, exactly. Um, the second experience was so redemptive, so healing that I could see myself having a third child. I don't know when that will be, but I'm just so grateful that it just went so much better so that I could kind of heal that experience and share that with other women that it's not always gonna be the same.
0: Yes. Okay, well, let's go ahead and start with your first takeaway.
1: Awesome. So my first takeaway is that you really need to accept that your birth was traumatic and that it was not your fault. So I was just talking to a friend of mine who had a baby a few months ago and still struggles to use the word trauma. And I want to bring this up because I think a lot of us have been taught and told that we're not allowed to use the word trauma or say we have PTSD unless we've been to war. And I want to know, like, I'm not a psychologist, but from the research I've done and the psychologists I've spoken to trauma is not something that's just, um, you know, reserved for people who've gone to war. So I think the first step is really accepting that what you feel is real, that you had a traumatic birth, And that it was not your fault. So Mm -hmm. a little snippet of my experience was um, when I was in labor, not only was it a long, painful, difficult labor, but my doctor said some very uh, awful and demeaning things to me, told me that I had better push my baby out um, because he had somewhere to be at 730, which was less than an hour from when I was laboring. Um, and And then he ended up performing an episiotomy on me, which is when they use scissors to cut you down there. Uh, to make it easier to pull the baby out. He did it without my consent, um, and he made sure he was indeed out of there before 7.30. So that's kind of the the background, but I I really spent, I lost a lot of time in the first year of motherhood just reliving that experience, ruminating on it, blaming myself for it, because I had tips throughout my pregnancy that this doctor wasn't respectful, but I you know didn't really fully acknowledge that, and I'll get into that in my next takeaway, but basically... Um, getting help with your traumatic birth and giving yourself self-compassion so that you can get out of that self-blame and even that self-hatred is really the beginning to you moving forward and healing from that experience.
0: Yes. And and I do want to acknowledge there's such a wide range of experiences that do count as traumatic. If If you had a picture in your mind of how your birth would go, And most of us, it's a very romanticized, beautiful Mm -hmm. picture because of what we hear and what is shown in movies and different things. And we think this really is going to be the most beautiful experience of my life. But, and it can be, you know, because of the doctors not treating you the way that they should, or it can just be because your body doesn't do what you thought it would do.
1: Exactly, you
0: might end up having an emergency Mm C-section and you may think it's somehow your fault or your body's fault that you couldn't have this experience. I have friends who have had to have all C sections and they grieve over what they say is like I never got to have that experience, that yes. universal female experience. And there's a lot of grief around that. Or I know when I went through um infertility mm. and then I couldn't I never could breastfeed my daughter. I never really got milk. And I felt a lot mm-hmm. of grief around that and anger at my body. I thought yes. I can't conceive a baby. I had a hard delivery. Like my body can't really do that right. And now my body isn't making milk. Like Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me? And I had a lot of anger and resentment towards my body. And before I had my baby, I heard about that guilt when you can't breastfeed. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, it's fine, whatever, because I had fed formula to my son because he was adopted. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, oh, it'll be fine if I have to formula feed her. I formula fed Noah. And then lo and behold, when I was in that position and I had to make that choice, I did feel so much guilt Mm -hmm. that it wasn't going the way that I had envisioned. I had envisioned the skin-to-skin time and Mm -hmm. the nursing time and all of that. And there's just so many emotions, and it's important to acknowledge them and accept them. And like you said, accept that it's not our fault when things don't go the way that we were planning.
1: I'm so glad you brought that up because the truth is there is so much disappointment that can happen. You know, we have an expectation and then we're let down and that can actually, you know, lead to, at least for me personally, lead to feeling depressed that like something I did something wrong or why, why me, why couldn't I have what this other woman on Instagram had that I follow whose birth was just like at home in a pool and all perfection, you know, and it's just, you know, it's not that way. I mean, Rachel, I resonate in that, You know, my son, I breastfed no problem, but my daughter, my milk dried up at eight months and I wailed like a baby. I wailed. I cried. I grieved my milk going away before I wanted it to. I couldn't understand why. I felt anger. But at that point, thankfully, I had really been working on myself and I was able to move through the grief a little bit quicker and with a little bit less blame and, and that's why I think it's just so important that we acknowledge when we're hurting and then we're able to get help so much faster than you know the the, the alternative is like blaming ourselves and, and staying in that shame forever and yes. not really getting what we need. And one thing I actually wanted to share is a lot of us, me included, felt I, I ended up getting on the epidural. That was not my plan and now I have no shame about the epidural but I remember a lot of women I talked to really talked about it as if it was a personal failing of mine. Like Mm. you didn't have the pain tolerance. You didn't, you know, you didn't, you know, you stick with it and grind through it, you know, like they did or she did or whatever. And I just want to say that however your body responds and and reacts to birth and it not going the way you plan, leave room for things not going to plan, but also leave room to feel sad about it.
0: Mm, We don't talk about
1: that. So, yes, yeah.
0: you know, that I am a huge fan of therapy. Everybody mm-hmm. listening to the show knows that. And you did go to therapy um, after that experience, right? And that was very helpful to you.
1: Yes. Oh, my goodness. So I had been going to therapy on and off for other things since 2014. But by 2018, um, I was pregnant with my second, and I decided I was really going to commit. So I signed up to a psychologist, and I went every single week, and I really threw myself headfirst into it. It was like my. My world revolved around like my healing and really working on myself. And it made me, and then there's kind of like a little bit of guilt that I had to move through as well that I took so long, right? I gave birth to my son in 2016. It was a really difficult experience. It was very lonely and isolating. There's a lot of factors involved. I had postpartum depression and anxiety, but I didn't really commit to therapy until 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a little bit of that. Why did I take so long? And so I think if there's one thing I want women to walk away with is that, you know, Sooner you become self aware of the pain and trauma you've been through, uh, and the sooner you get help with it, the sooner you're going to move through and start to really enjoy motherhood more because you're not going to be using and spending all of your energy dealing with that resentment, that guilt, that shame, depression, all of those feelings. So, yeah, it really was an a integral part to me healing and also learning to be a better advocate for myself. Second mm. time around, learning to really speak up for my needs and. Uh, take care of myself in, you know, in the delivery room and throughout the pregnancy.
0: Yeah. And I think that leads really well into your second takeaway.
1: Yeah. I was about yeah, to definitely. say that. That's perfect. <laughs> We're, we don't plan this, but you know, it's working. Um, so yeah, my second takeaway is to make sure that you're asking tough questions of your healthcare professionals. Um, Rachel, I don't know if you experienced this, but like, I used to feel a lot of like nervousness. If I said anything that sounded questioning of any advice or prescriptions, mm-hmm. my doctor would say, you know, you feel like, are they going to get offended? Are they going to think that I'm not being respectful if I say, well, why are you prescribing that? Or uh, mm-hmm. why do I have to take that? And you know, what's fascinating to me, and I think it's part of our upbringing of being told to respect authority. And I think also bit, also part of it is like, at least for me as a woman and as a woman of color, I kind of was taught that my opinions don't really have, you know, aren't really allowed in a, in most rooms. Um, Or that they're not going to be heard or respected. And so I just kind of learned to keep quiet. And I ended up really paying for that. And what I've learned since becoming my own advocate and really learning to value myself is asking those tough questions early and often throughout your pregnancy. Everyone has a unique approach to pregnancy and birth. Everybody mm. does. I didn't know this. You kind of think, oh, like all doctors kind of just do what's safe for you, but everyone has a different opinion on what safe is, on what would bring safety and what would bring a successful and healthy pregnancy and delivery. So know where you stand, know what you want and ask questions early about, hey, what's your philosophy on C-sections and medical interventions? What's your approach to birth? What's your approach to even the, delivering the placenta? Um, my doctor ripped my placenta out um, he probably thought that he could because I was on an epidural and I didn't feel it however it caused really heavy bleeding and slow healing for me for over a month um, mm. and I didn't even know I didn't even know that that wasn't okay because the the really vulnerable thing about being a first-time mom is you have no context for what it means to deliver a baby you have no Context if you were being mistreated or not. And so the second time around, after I had pushed out my baby, my nurse midwife spent the next 15 minutes helping me push out my placenta. Mm He literally used the words deliver your placenta. And I was like, what? What are we doing? And it was in that moment that I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't deliver my placenta last time. And that's why I was in so much pain and I had such heavy bleeding. I almost couldn't leave the hospital because of how low my blood cell count was, and um, you know, it just kind of makes you realize that there's so many little things that we're not taught, even in the birthing classes. You know, in terms of asking for uh, what that approach is and making sure that it's aligned with our own. Um, mm. And one other thing I want to mention that it really gets overlooked is ask your healthcare professional if they screen moms for depression and anxiety during the pregnancy you know, there's really an emphasis on the baby's health and well-being, but they forget how intertwined our baby's health is with our own. And my second pregnancy, the reason why it was so healing and redemptive and amazing was because I was screened for depression and anxiety during the pregnancy. And they ended up catching that I was clinically depressed. Um, And part of the reason was I was dreading, I was having PTSD and depression because of my last birth. And I was dreading that it was going to be the same. And so I really ended up getting a lot of support um, you know, start, you know, with therapy and with working on my healthcare professionals and every prenatal visit I went into, they, they checked on my mental health, right? It wasn't just like, how's the baby's heartbeat? You know, how much weight have you gained? It was, Mm. it was really like, okay, how's your mental health? What's going on? And that really, uh, really helped me to feel more calm in my delivery that I was supported and that I wasn't going to be alone in postpartum depression and anxiety again. So that was Mm. a really important part. So I just encourage, all the moms, you know, if you're thinking about having another baby, if you're, you're about to have your first to make sure that you're asking those tough questions, and do not feel bad about it, honor the way that you feel. And then go to um, go to someone that does respect you, which perfectly leads to my next point, actually. Yes. Is, um, excellent. I, I'm on a roll today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, which is trust your intuition and act on it. Um, I mentioned this in the article I wrote about my birth, but I'll just touch on it a little bit here. I grew up in a pretty emotionally and physically abusive household, and as a result, um, I was conditioned to to believe that my opinions and my feelings don't matter. I got really good at suppressing how I felt because mm. it was a survival mechanism as a child growing up in an environment like that. So, you know, pay attention to that. Like, how do you normally? Talk about your own feelings. Are you very dismissive of your feelings? Are you gaslighting your feelings? Do you gaslight yourself? Or are you somebody that calls 25 friends to ask them what they think about your situation? You know, those are red flags that you maybe don't respect and honor your own judgment and intuition as much as you should. And I think especially when we become mothers, we really need to dial into the intuition and the wisdom that we've all really been blessed with, that we've all been given. You know, I I believe in God and I think that he's speaking to me all the time. And I think that if we just quiet down and listen in, he is talking to us. And um, if I was listening early on, I knew and I felt that that doctor was not treating me right. There were a Mm. lot of red flags that looking back, I'm like, wow, I really didn't honor myself. I went to everyone else saying, Hey, what do you think? And people would say, you know, maybe it's just, he just doesn't have good bedside manner, or maybe he's just not as sensitive. Um, when really I should have just, um, looked into it and went, you know what, you, maybe you don't agree with me, but I know how I feel about it and I'm going to move on. And that's not to say that I blame myself anymore for that. But I think one of the beautiful byproducts of healing is we can look back at our experiences with more objectivity and go, okay, I learned my lesson from that. This is what happened. And now I'm going to apply this to my next pregnancy. So coming into my next pregnancy, I was such an advocate for myself. I listened to my body and my heart when, when it said, Hey, this doesn't feel right, or I don't like this. And I really spoke up for myself.
0: Mm. And I think it's so important to remember, we are the expert of our bodies and our minds, and we can get intimidated by people that have quote, more knowledge. And and I am all about like respecting that knowledge, but also respecting that we have as much say. In fact, we have more say. We should have more say yeah. over our care and our bodies and speaking up. And it can be hard because you feel a little bit like a diva, you know, and you're like, yeah. am I just being high maintenance? That's something that I think I worry about is that the doctor is going to think I'm high maintenance if with all of my questions or with my mm-hmm. wanting to do things a different way. And I don't ever want to be seen as high maintenance. but. The longer that I live, the more I'm like, who cares if he thinks I'm high maintenance? As long as I'm getting the quality of care that I know is best for me and for my body, it's okay for me to ask for what I need. And one thing that I thought about when you said that you talked to other people and they said, well, maybe this or that about the doctor and kind of excused it was when I was pregnant, um, I went to a practice where they just kind of passed you around, like mm. all the doctors saw all the patients and mm. you you didn't really have a dedicated doctor, which I didn't like. Um, but there was one doctor that I knew that so many of my friends loved in that practice and I'd heard so many good things about him. So I was excited to get booked with him for an appointment. And from the very beginning of the appointment, something felt off to me where he, it just felt like... He wasn't uh, taking it seriously enough. He was making lots of jokes about pregnancy and he was really jovial and, and maybe some people like that. But for me, who'd gone through infertility and IVF and was very anxious about this pregnancy, it kind of struck me the wrong way. And then at the end of the appointment, he said, well, stay pregnant. And oh gosh. For,
1: <laughs> for
0: somebody that like my greatest fear was that I wasn't going to stay pregnant. I was like, uh... And, and my initial thought is Rachel, you're being overly dramatic. You are a baby,
1: right? Just
0: everybody loves him. So there must be something wrong with you. And then I thought, you know what? No, I, I can trust this. And I can just ask that I don't, when appointments are booked, that I'm not booked with that doctor and there's nothing wrong with that doctor. And he might be perfect for some other women, but he's not perfect for me and my situation. And when my my pregnancy did end up becoming more high risk towards the end, and I was really grateful that I had um, one of the doctors in that practice who I felt really secure and good with, and he had this really quiet, calm bedside manner. Um, When my pregnancy became high risk, he said, I want to see you. So just tell them that you are only going to see me. And if they need to double book me, I, I don't care because I want to be your doctor. And it was incredible. such a blessing at the end of a kind of scary pregnancy to have that consistent doctor that knew me, that knew my history, and that I knew really cared about me and my baby.
1: That's awesome. And yeah, that, that required that you advocated for yourself. You said, I wanna see this doctor. I don't wanna see anybody else. Don't don't book me with this other person, you know. And you know, I just wanna highlight some of the things that you said that i think really plague a lot of women and we really got to shed this skin of i don't want to seem dramatic i don't want to be high maintenance i don't want i i'm being too sensitive i'm being a baby and it's like be dramatic then you know let's be let's be people <laughs> who really care so much about ourselves that we're willing to inconvenience someone to get the care that we need you know mm-hmm. i think we forget that we're the ones carrying human life, making a child. And if we need some extra support, why on earth will we not try to get that for ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know I think? So I think we really have to normalize women asking for what they need and not being shamed for it and not getting all these labels of, you know, being difficult or whatever. And, you know, as the conversations finally Moving in this direction, even with Black women, we're constantly told we're being too difficult. Don't be too difficult. Don't be labeled that difficult Black woman. And it's just like, no, I'm I'm a woman just like anybody else, and I'm a person with feelings. And if I feel like those things are being violated or trespassed or disrespected, you know, it's we should we need to normalize that it's perfectly okay to speak up for yourself.
0: Yes, and one thing I wanted to add too is I know that in the middle of pregnancy, you can feel really emotionally vulnerable. At least I did. Mm-hmm. And I very much related to when you talked about having depression while you were pregnant. That was yeah. my experience as well. I think, do they call that perinatal depression while you're I
1: pregnant? Think, I think, well, they called it antepartum depression. Oh, for is that... it postpartum and antepartum. Yeah. So I had antepartum depression. and Okay. Yeah. yeah
0: and I had that too. And so I think Ooh. I wasn't totally in my right mind. Like I don't know if, if I could have advocated for myself in the way that I now could, because I just wasn't in a great emotional place. And I think that it's really important to have people kind of on your support team that, um, can advocate for you. And so maybe you talk to your, your best friend or your sister or your husband or your partner before you, and you say, this is what I want to happen. And can you help support me and advocate uh, for me um, during the pregnancy and with, and with the doctor. And even if you don't have the energy to seek for a different doctor, while like, you know, you want a different doctor, you get the feeling that your intuition's telling you that this isn't the right pick, but you don't quite have the energy to go and find someone else, you could ask someone to help you with that. You could ask your partner or a friend to call around and find you somebody that might be a better fit for you. I've done that for friends who have come to me and admitted that they're struggling with really bad depression, but they Uh just don't even know where to start with finding a counselor. It feels so overwhelming. And I say, Mm -hmm. let me make some calls for you and see who's accepting patients. And I kind of do a little bit of legwork for them so that it's easier for them to do that. So having a support team, I think can be really helpful when you're in the midst of such a vulnerable time.
1: 100%. Another thing that that requires though, is that you allow yourself to accept that you're not okay and that you need help. And then that's perfectly okay. Like allow Help and support. I I noticed that I would see moms that are completely burnt out, and I'd be like, "Oh, let me watch your kids for like the afternoon." Like, no, no, you have your own children. And it's like, well, of course, but how are we going to be a village if we don't allow people to help us? Amen. So, yeah. So just you know, I think humble yourself a little bit and accept that it's that you need support.
0: Yes. Oh, such wise words, Mia. This has been incredible. You are a force, and I'm so oh, glad that you, you came on the show and you can just tell that all of the work that you've done on yourself and therapy and just with your own reflection has paid off so much. And you are just, yes. And you can sense it. You can sense it in, in your message, in your words. So thank you for being here. And I would love for you to tell listeners um, how they can work with you further, if they're interested, where they can find more of your work.
1: Awesome. Well, I have a website, MiaHemstad.com. You can go there. There's some really great resources there that are for free. And I also have a waitlist open right now for my program, No Longer Last. It's a three-month program where they're encouraged every day to do something to nourish themselves with the intention that we unlearn this belief that in order to love others well, we have to stop loving ourselves. And I think that is a lie that is not true that mothers mm-hmm. especially need to learn how to make themselves a priority. And so we, we learn this new practice by every day doing that for ourselves. Um, but before I you know, wrap up, I do want to say Rachel that the work that you've done on yourself is so evident in the work that you do. I don't think as a content creator myself, I don't think people realize like, how much work you have to do on yourself in order to show up and give to the world Mm -hmm. like this. It takes so much (laughs) inner work. And I have to say that when I was finally seeking a diagnosis and got diagnosed with PTSD and depression and started to get real medical treatment, um, your podcast episode with your sister that you did Mm -hmm. quite literally saved my life. Last November, I actually DM'd you and you so graciously DM'd me back. Um, and I was in the middle of a crossroads. I was too scared to try medication, uh, but I felt God telling me that I should try it. And I always tell God that I need a sign. And then I'll, that week, your episode, wow. um, yeah, that week. And I listened to it when I was having the worst week of my life. And I was like, okay, God, I hear you. And I DM'd you and I thanked you and you went back and forth with me just so, You were so empathic. Like, I, I, you know, you have a big audience and yet you take time out of your day to talk to someone you don't even know. And I just want everybody to hear that because it is not an easy road to show up every week to produce stuff, the the quality of the work that you do. And it really did save my life. Like I got a medication, I got a diagnosis, and I am thriving in a way I've never have in my entire life. And I just want to say you've changed the lives of women everywhere and- Thank you, so Mia. Much.
0: I literally have tears in my eyes. Thank you so Aww. much. That it was so generous of you to add that, and know it will mean a lot to my sister as well. Who, my yeah. sister has been through such a journey with mental health. And sh- and if yeah. if people listening are thinking, what what is this? She did two episodes with me in the fall about her mental health journey, which I will definitely link in the show notes for anybody who's feeling like they're in a place where they're really desperate and need some support and help. I'll link those there. And just thank you so much for coming on and for your goodness and your heart and sharing your experience with 3 and 30
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. Hopefully one day when this pandemic is over, we'll be able to meet up and connect in real life. But thank you so much for this platform that you've built and for having me on it. I truly appreciate it.
0: Wow. Well, I did not expect Mia's incredibly kind words there at the end, but it really did bring tears to my eyes. Her warmth and wisdom are inspiring, and I know her takeaways are going to bless all of us. As a quick recap of her takeaways for emotionally healing after a traumatic birth, first, accept that your birth was traumatic, and it was not your fault. Talk to compassionate friends or family about your experience, and if necessary, seek counseling support to process what you went through and how your life is changing as a mom to a new baby. And as a side note, a really convenient method of getting emotional and mental health support is BetterHelp Online Therapy. They've been sponsors of the show before, but they're not sponsoring this episode. I just wanted to remind you about that resource because I truly believe they are an incredible way for moms to get the support they need from home. I'll put the link to that resource in the show notes if you're interested. Second takeaway, don't be afraid to ask tough questions of your medical professionals and speak up about what you want and need. Who cares if a doctor thinks you're high maintenance? You know your body and your mind better than anyone, and you deserve to work as a partner with your doctor in seeking the best care for you and your baby. And finally, trust your intuition and act on it. And if you need support acting on your intuition, reach out to someone on your support team and ask for help. My friends, whatever you're healing from, we are all in this together. Please forward this episode on to a new mom or a pregnant mom who you think might need it, Let's support one another and carry one another. I'm cheering you on, and I hope you have a great week with your family.